In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review for the week ending July 17th, USDA recently released their monthly World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates Report, and according to World Outlook Board Chair Seth Meyer, there weren't many changes in the forecast for U.S. cotton production. Despite the fact that we had these declines in area, we had a 10 pounds per acre increase in yields. So this gives us no change in production despite a decline in planted area coming out of the NAS report. So held production at 14.5 million bales. Some other changes in the balance sheet gave us a decline of 200,000 bales in ending stocks from last month and an increase of two cents in the price to a midpoint price of 62 cents. But there was a drop in consumption numbers and Meyer explains the decrease in the forecast for world cotton consumption. A decline in consumption in the back year of about 600,000 bales and about 900,000 bales in 2015-16. But hidden in there are bigger declines in Chinese consumption in 2014, down 1 million bales in 2014-15 on Chinese statistics. And you carry that forward and you get down 1.5 million bales in 2015-16. And so, yes, you've got an increase in carryout for 2015-16 of 2 million bales, but the Chinese increase in stocks is 2.5 million bales. So what does that mean? It means that stocks held outside of China are actually down. So we were actually tightening the market, tightening free stocks or ending stocks outside of China. We kind of think that those stocks in China may be a bit more restricted in their movement than stocks at other places. And so one observes an increase in stocks, but one has to dig a little bit deeper and see where those stocks are being held. And the increase is in China. In other news, farmers would love to know what they can expect from energy prices in the future and how policy will impact their savings opportunities. Technological innovations in the oil and natural gas industry have allowed cheaper, more plentiful energy across the country. And Rayola Dower, senior economic advisor at the American Petroleum Institute, says we've been a victim of our own success. We brought on such massive new supplies of both oil and natural gas that the price of both have, have fallen dramatically in recent years. And that's been very good news for farmers, for example. Their total cost of fuel, chemicals, fertilizers have come down in the last four or five years or so, six years. Uh, But it's a strain on oil producers today. And we just don't know what that bottom price is going to be. It's been trading around $50 to $60 a barrel. A year ago, it was $100 a barrel. So we have a lot of extra supply on the world's market right now, way too much. The United States is producing record amounts still, even with the lower prices. OPEC is producing record amounts still with these lower prices. And demand is not growing as rapidly as many had thought or hoped. China's economy is slowing down. Greece is a thorn in the side of Europe right now. We don't know how that's going to play out in terms of what it might do to the European economy. Will that dampen demand? And with Iran... Gosh, they have a lot of extra crude oil right now just sitting there waiting to get on the market. So that, too, could put downward pressure on the prices. You could see prices even lower. We're just going to have to wait and see. And we're heading into the hurricane season in the United States. So uh, what may that do to, to supplies, too? We don't know yet. So there's a lot of variables we can't control. But what we can control is policy in the United States and energy policy that supports domestic development of our resources. Anything that we can do to always look forward, what can we do to bring even more to the marketplace? Because reliable, affordable supplies of energy mean everything to all of us. And we have been better than anyone in the world in the last several years with our new technology bringing on these new supplies. And we want to continue to be able to do that 
and to uh, shift the balance of energy power to this hemisphere in a very significant way. Well, Tyron Spearman told us this week that one man is urging peanut farmers across the southeast to use trained scouts in their fields. Dr. Mark Abney, Georgia's extension entomologist, is strongly urging peanut farmers in Georgia, Florida, and Alabama to use trained peanut scouts. He said the survey shows that only about 25% of the farmers in, in Georgia and less in Alabama are scouted. Abney says this is a major problem. He thinks the single most important thing that we can change in the southeast is to help with the insect management, and that is to scout more acres. He said many of our spray decisions are based on what our neighbors are doing and what somebody else has been doing in a different field, especially on peanuts. He said we really stress hiring someone whose job is to count your peanuts and count the worms they find. Abney thinks farmers are treating a lot of fields for insects that don't need to be treated. And we're probably treating some fields that needed to be treated last week. Farmers also tend to automatically spray an insecticide and a fungicide to save time. And sometimes that can cost as much as $15 per acre, he said. But that is coming from the Extension Peanut Entomologist advising Georgia, Florida, and Alabama. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. Seven families were honored this past week at the 2015 Cattle Industry Summer Conference as regional winners for the Environmental Stewardship Award. The 2015 Southeast Region 2 winner was Bull Hannock Ranch of Fort Pierce, Florida. All seven winners will be considered for the National Environmental Stewardship Award. That will be announced during the annual Cattle Industry Convention in San Diego, California in January. Also this week, Kathy Isom helped us figure out what's a myth about food or actual science. As the saying goes, not everything you find on the Internet is true. But how can you find out what's a myth about food or actual science? Yvette Dontremont, otherwise known as the Cybabe, offers some advice for spotting pseudoscience articles versus real science articles online. I think the easiest way to know if something is science or pseudoscience is, if you have to ask, it's probably BS. The hardest part about it is that there's no real defining line between science and pseudoscience. She offers a few things to look for when you're trying to determine if something is a myth or factual science. Look for things that are repeatable and look for meta-analyses and review articles that don't just show you, here's a one-off thing that we found, because anyone can make one study. So I tell people, look for scientific journals and look for large-scale analyses instead of just a website saying, this is how I think this works. To bridge the gap between science and non-science, she says for writers, make your work funny. That's what she credits for her success as the Cybabe. As for critics like the Food Babe, she has some advice to offer those who read what she says. Just take a critical eye to the things she said and then start looking into the articles because it's very rare that you find a fact on her website. I think people are willing to look at her page with a cynical eye. Eventually they're going to go, this can't be right. And I'm hoping more people latch on to that. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast Agnet. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Everett Grinder talked about careers in agriculture expanding. Few young people enter high school with a plan to pursue a career in agriculture. But by the time they reach their senior year, many have given it second thought. What changed their minds? Well, mostly 60,000 good jobs in agriculture. There's the food industry. More and more colleges are providing courses that lead to degrees in food processing and preparation, plant breeding, entomology, and agronomy. There are careers that do not require long days in a hot field. More like a normal business day in the office. But... They are just as vital to agriculture and food production as putting seed in the ground. So 
As that senior year approaches, there are all kinds of careers in science, technology, and engineering related to farming and food production. A professional in agriculture doesn't have to be in the field all day. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Griner, Southeast Agnet. These reports and more can be found on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.